You're listening to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan. Today, we're bringing you a special episode from the U.S.-Mexico border. This episode originally aired in May of 2019. In our first two segments, producer Melissa Fato explored how people of faith and goodwill are providing aid to migrants in new ways. Now, we unearth the roots of resistance to migration across our southern border. Our next guest points to the historic tensions between Catholics and Protestants that emerged generations ago. Let's get back to producer Melissa Fato. Not all Latin Americans are Catholic, in the same way that not all speak Spanish. But a great deal of them are. And the largest influx of Catholics into the U.S. came not through immigration, but through conquest. So 1848, with the end of the Mexican-American War, and the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. While this is important because it includes the annexation of the southwestern region, so what we now identify as most of the southwest U.S., from Mexico to the United States, um, it also includes the incorporation of 80,000 Mexicans who understood themselves not only as Mexican citizens, but also as Roman Catholics. That's Daisy Vargas. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Arizona in the Religious Studies and Classics Department. I specialized in Catholicism in the Americas, as well as race, religion, and ethnicity in the United States. She says the tension between the dominant Protestant American culture and the newly absorbed Catholic Mexican culture surfaced quickly. So you get Protestant missionaries coming into the Southwest, into places like New Mexico and Arizona, looking to convert Catholics and indigenous folks, and as well as other ethnic communities found along the border region, which includes Chinese workers, into American Protestants. This move is not only to have them join the Protestant churches, these different Protestant denominations, but also because in this period, Protestantism is linked to American identity. So uh, the mission process here is not only religious conversion, but also a cultural conversion. Latin American Catholicism differs from the austerity of traditional American Protestantism. The use of votive candles, incense, icons, and rosaries, as well as the canon of saints, is not so present in many Protestant denominations. This led to negative misconceptions about the Mexican-American community in the 19th century. They're seen as more prone to violence, um, and their ethics are taken into question. One way this manifests when we're talking about Roman Catholics in the Southwest is a battle against religious practices and rituals seen as, quote, superstitious. Historically, Mexican Catholicism is seen as antithetical to Protestantism, which is by extension American. Today, these biases present themselves in border enforcement. According to the ACLU, though Border Patrol has a policy of, quote, religious sensitivity, countless rosaries and Bibles have been seized from Catholics and other Christians crossing the southern border. There has also been significant discrimination recorded against Muslim, Sikh, and Hindu detainees. Daisy says a series of popularized photographs helped illustrate this pattern of religious discrimination. In March of 2017, the New Yorker magazine published photographs taken by Tom Kiefer from his El Sueño Americano project. 
And Kiefer served as, he worked um, as a custodian in a detention center. And he began collecting different things that had been confiscated um, from migrants, uh, from undocumented migrants that were being processed through his center. So there's a variety of things that he photographed that he would take out of the trash or places where these things were discarded. And one image that became kind of went viral, that became popular in the media, were these images of rosaries and other religious materials um, taken from folks. And what struck most people who were seeing these images is that part of the reason that um, these objects were confiscated from folks is because they were deemed potentially lethal, non-essential property. So folks began to wonder if and consider what it meant for religious objects like this to be considered potentially lethal property, right, on the bodies of migrants. And she says this thinking isn't just limited to the Southwest. Mexican-Americans and Latinx people have been profiled far beyond the borderlands. Folks are generally familiar with the 100-mile border zone, which is a region or a space around U.S. points of entry where Border Patrol can um, enforce the border right or immigration policy. What I'm interested in is also how of the border is maintained in the interior of the country, right? So how how is immigration policy enforced beyond this geographic border? Part of what I've been paying attention to is kind of routine ways of policing, and this includes traffic stops. Daisy sees a connection. She suspects that after centuries of being seen as violent and superstitious people, Mexican-Americans and Latinx communities are still being profiled, in part due to negative associations with Catholicism. She cites a variety of cases involving traffic stops across the country. When we're thinking about Arizona, most folks remember the 2010 Senate Bill 1070, which was known as the Show Me Your Papers law. This is actually how I started thinking about this research, because one thing that happens when this bill is signed into law is you get immigration advocacy groups in Arizona telling Latinos to take the rosaries out of their vehicles. It was commonly known that um, law enforcement would pull folks over for displaying these things. The 2006 case in Bradley County, Tennessee, is a case where a couple is pulled over by a police officer after he observes that, one, that the couple was of Latin American heritage, and secondly, that there's a rosary hanging from the rearview mirror. So in reading the affidavit presented to the presiding judge of this case, the arresting officer stated that he his suspicions were raised when he saw a rosary hanging from the rearview mirror of the vehicle because in his training, he was taught that rosaries or crosses were recognized signs of drug traffickers. He also states that because Roman Catholicism is common among uh, what he calls Hispanics, quote Hispanics, it's well known within law enforcement circles that Hispanics are disproportionately overrepresented among drug traffickers. So this rosary and this cross that he sees in the vehicle is consistent with this um, with identifying drug traffickers. But what's interesting about these traffic stops is that they include what's considered normative Catholic material culture, right? So it's rosaries. In some cases, it's saints that are canonized by the Catholic Church, right? They're not always um, these so-called narco-saints. So we see this in the case, this 2006 um, Bradley County case, and we continue to see this in other places as well. 
In 2010, you have 10 Latino motorists in Arkansas who successfully sue, uh, I believe it's Alexander, Arkansas, for racial profiling. These examples don't point to any specific anti-Catholic rules in law enforcement. But this kind of historical bias is just another layer in the kind of thinking that continually alienates the U.S. Latinx community. I don't think their law enforcement agencies or governmental agencies have any kind of actually legal ways and definitions of approaching Latin American, Latino religious communities as suspicious, right, or as particularly criminal. I believe, I think that, you know, the racial profiling, the way that border is policed around Latin American and Latino religious practices is the way that is just an extension of, in many ways, kind of the historical, historical racism, right? It just manifests itself differently in the contemporary moment. So things like if the history of anti-Catholicism in the United States is usually focused on these European immigrants in the 19th century. And it's usually a triumphant story, right? There's anti-Catholic sentiment, but eventually they assimilate and they're assimilated into the United States and they're understood as fully American. I think with the focus on the U.S.-Mexico border, with the racialization of certain religious practices and religious images, just serves to reinforce the outsider status of Latino communities. They're is always a question of assimilation. Um, And a lot of it is, again, tied to Anglo-Protestant norms, right? Are they seen as participating in American democracy? And then what are acceptable ways of doing that? Are they behaving in ways that are acceptable to certain factions of American government or even just in general, the American community, right? Or, you know, what what is American? And I think as long as, and again, not exclusive to Latin American Latino folks, right, but as long as certain cultural traits and religious practices are racialized, Latin Americans are, and Latinos are always going to be seen as outsiders. They're never going to be seen as fully American. Daisy Vargas is an assistant professor of religion at the University of Arizona in Tucson. She's currently working on turning her research into a book. That's all for this week's show. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. You can learn more about us, access the archive, and sign up for our newsletter at interfaithradio.org. This special episode, which originally broadcast in 2019, was reported by Melissa Fato. A special thanks to the Loretta Latin American Caribbean Committee for their assistance in making this episode possible. Producers include Melissa Fato, Lauren Marco, and Kevin McCarthy. A special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. Wherever you are, friends, I hope you are well, I hope you are safe, and I hope you stay connected. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. I'll see you next week.